Tennessee Titans talk, fellas. Four days until the 2021 NFL Draft. This is just the week where I just abandon uh, every aspect of my life, big fella, and just <laughs> follow this draft. Yep, it's time. This is our this is our bread and butter. What we wait for all year. A lot of futures are going to change in a couple days, including our own team. So really excited to see what we've got going on this year. There are just so few surprises in life, and this is just a week where, well, we'll know a lot more about our team on Sunday, but right now there's just so many variables and so many things at play. I think that is a big part, how they've been able to make this a cultural event, especially in the last 10 or 15 years, is just the idea of, you know, we've got several hundred families that are just really kind of waiting to see what their near and maybe possible long-term future, where it's going to be and what it's going to be. Do you guys remember, Landon, we'll start with you, like the seminal moment that made you like a really big draft fan that really brought you to like to where we are now, where we're just absolutely fascinated by? Yeah, so back in 2017, before the Philly draft, I joined an online Discord server about the NFL draft, and it's pretty much all the teams, users pick a team, and you just do mock drafts, you talk about players, you defend your takes, and it's pretty much just an online draft community. And before, I'd always used the pretty bad mock draft machines online, the simulations, and read the mock drafts and d- did my own. But it was just really fun to talk with a bunch of other people, just have a bunch of different takes, a lot of different opinions, just enjoy the dynamics of a live draft, since I hadn't really paid attention to a draft before. In 2016, you dragged me to hang out with John, and we watched that draft, but I didn't really know what was going on then. <laughs> but then when I started getting into the server, I started to realize what it was all about, got really invested in some players, namely Corey Davis and Eddie Jackson. And then by the time it was April and we had to fly to Philly, I was all in. (laughs) I think it's interesting that technology is such a big role for uh, younger folks now. We need to understand that. But it does allow you to have this sense of community that I think I had to go to college before I found people that were into the same kind of weird stuff I was into. And I I just think technology is uh, such an asset for people younger because I could just imagine, like all I had – uh, when I was Landon's age, at that age, was uh, the sports page and uh, sports center. So it's so interesting how people get to specialize their interests in it, like within a community, um, in in such a like a more, so much more quickly now, big fella. Oh yeah, I mean everything is available at our fingertips. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy to think of a day where there was an NFL draft where we didn't have all this as much hype or, or, you know, research that we can do or tape that we can watch. And, um, you know, it really just blows my mind to think about where we were and where, where we are now and where we've come from, um, where everything is available, everything. Big fella, so, what's that seminal memory that you have about what really put, took you to the next level to be really interested in the NFL draft? Yeah, man, I'll tell you what. Um, The first time I remember being really plugged into the draft, and it's funny, I thought it would have been a lot earlier. Um, You know, after playing college football, I thought I was going to love college football, but I, you know, once I hung up my cleats, uh, it was kind of not even on on my own terms. It was injury-related, so I was kind of bitter. And then I watched that national championship game between Texas and USC with Vince Young putting on a show and Reggie Bush and Lindell White. And that 2006 draft where we took Vince Young at number three, I remember that being a pinnacle moment for me where I was plugged in. And from that point on, it was over. I was a, a true draft nerd. And then I remember the ne- I remember sitting there like glued to the TV and my roommate came in and he just couldn't understand what I was doing. I was like, you know, here comes here comes pick number 11, the Broncos. What the heck are they going to do? And they take Cutler and then Haloti Nada. And then you keep looking at the draft and how it shapes up. And, uh, I mean, there were a lot of Pro Bowl players taken in the first round of that draft. And I remember all the hype around Vernon Davis from Maryland, of all places, where when Maryland wasn't really that big of a school, like a powerhouse for football prospects prospects so I just remember being captivated by that whole draft and that was kind of it and then I remember the next year I was furious uh, we were, I was coming back from class and we were uh, me and that same roommate were walking in together and we walked into uh, right out right outside of where you check in they have like a you know welcome room and there's a big tv the draft was on and it was when the draft went like all day it was we drafted Michael Griffin and I was furious because we had a bunch of holes and we drafted a safety which I didn't think was a huge need and that was 2007 but yeah 2006 2007 
That was when I was plugged in. That's when this all started big time. Everybody has a story when something like this kind of kind of overtakes them. It before it was a big thing. I love those stories <laughs> because it wasn't that long ago. I was like, why are we watching this? They're not going to play today, right? To where <laughs> I think them moving it around to different cities and them breaking it up and making um, the beginning of the draft prime time. They have taken something that could have always been pretty big, and it really just celebrates. NFL fandom. It just celebrates like how into it so many millions of people are in to this game. And like the joke two years ago in Nashville, it somebody made the very spot on joke that it was like Bonnaroo for divorced dads. I mean, it's like <laughs> it is it was a cultural event. It was a huge, huge deal. And I think even more so than all the traveling they've done, a Nashville unlocked for them that it can be a big deal. And it's going to be a, certainly a big deal up in Cleveland here uh, this week. And, uh, you know, I wish if there weren't health concerns, I, I think we'd be going. But I look forward to see this get even bigger, become even more of like a physical event over the years. All right, guys, let's get started. Let's go. Mock draft. We're going to go uh, pretty quick through these. We're going to go 1 through 32, maybe not all on this podcast but like we've done in previous years, we're going to kind of predict where we think, not who we think, but what we think the teams are going to do to the best of our knowledge uh, based on their needs and their of what they do. A lot of these teams have a philosophy, and they generally stick to it. All right, guys, let's get started. We know who the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to pick first overall. But, so let's kind of talk about him briefly. Uh, this is of big importance to us. This is our division rival, and, um, yeah, I mean, we root for all the kids individually, but – Part of me doesn't want him to be Peyton Manning, right? Because that would not bode well for us. So, Landon, I'll start with you. Specifically, how good can the Jets? I think they would top out around seven wins. Remember, they've got an extra game. It's 17 games, not 16. The offense overall is pretty interesting. You add Lawrence. James Robinson is already there. Their wide receiver core looks really interesting with the signing of Marvin Jones. But the offensive line needs a lot of work, and pretty much the entire defense needs to be overhauled. So their offense will be fun. They'll get in a lot of shootouts. But at the end of the day, you don't go 1-15. You don't lose 15 straight games and get the number one overall pick with a decent enough roster. One quarterback is going to make this team any more than a 6-11, 7-10 team. And Wow, that, that feels really weird to say, 6-11. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, John, for a very long time, I've had just – in my mind, nine and seven, ten and six, eleven and five, three and thirteen. That is going to be very weird, like Landon. Very says. weird, yeah, very weird. I mean, although we we've eliminated the five hundred season, you know, so you're going to win a season or you're going to lose a season. I think that's kind of an interesting take on it too. No, oh, long gone are the seasons of eight and eight. You're going to be eight 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 and one at at you know most mediocre. John, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be, and we see this sometimes, they're going to be a trending up kind of a pretty uh, 6 and 11 or, man, I can't, I'm going to have a hard time with that, or 7 <laughs> and 10. And it's going to be kind of like a, a ramp up potentially if everything goes right. Because Landon said they have some obvious holes that are going to kind of keep them from winning some games possibly. But I think they could be a surprise. And I think they will be certainly trending up. Even like their ceiling, how good they can be with Urban Meyer – and Trevor Lawrence is going to be decided in future years. But for them to be immediately better, I think we'll see that. Yeah, I think we will immediately see that. I think especially with everything going on in Houston right now, that they're going to drop to the fourth team in the, in the division. I think Jacksonville is right there contending for that second spot. I will be very interested to see what they do in the draft. Obviously, they're going to take Lawrence with number one. But then what are they going to do with 25? Are they going to move? Are they going to move up? Are they going to move down? Like Landon said, their wide receiver core got a lot got better with Marvin Jones, but even looking at them right now, I mean, DJ Chark Jr., we know he's a special kind of a guy, but then LaVisca Chenault, yeah, they put him in space. They make him do some things. Uh, he doesn't really terrify me. Philip Dorsett doesn't terrify me. Marvin Jones doesn't terrify me. Colin Johnson, eh. I'm not, just, I, I'm not scared of them tight end they don't really have anything great uh, so i'll be curious to see what they do i think they i think they struck gold with james robinson i mean yeah <laughs> the guy played amazing last year some people think they will <clears throat> replace him early but i, I don't no. think that he needs replacing i think the only really big need they need is tackle 
yes, Landon said they have a lot of work to do with the defense. But here's the thing. They have time. There's no expectation of them to be really good right away. So some teams is like, we have to fill this need, that need with the draft. I think what they need to do, take the absolute pure best player available. Obviously, we don't want a Joe Burrow type situation. But I think the offensive line is a little better than that. But besides that absolute priority, I think they just find pieces, right? Yeah, and I think – Because like you said, they've got another first-round pick. They've got a lot of picks. I mean, yeah. they've, they're sitting in the catbird seat for sure. Now, we've seen teams like this do it and blow it, but I don't know. They – Yeah, they they will, but I think they really need to reload on defense. I mean, we see we saw them a couple of years ago go to the AFC Championship game, and, you know, we were dubbing them Saxonville. They are not that right now. They have to reload on defensive talent, and lucky for them, this is a great draft to do that. I think so. That guess what I'm getting at. I think they don't have to be picky because I don't think mm-hmm. there's any big urgency for this next year. And I, I think we'll see them execute like that generally. We'll, we'll see. The Jets, it seems presumed they're going to take Zach Wilson from BYU. I like him. I don't like him more than Justin Fields. I do like him. I do think it's a bad fit. I think he doesn't have the frame and everything else. He's got a really bright smile and a lot of bravado. But, boy, I have seen the Jets – humble a lot of players in my 30 years as a football fan (laughs) I'm worried about that so if each of these players got a pass they said on one team one time you can say pass which I think should be a rule I think these kids should have some say where they go if they did do you think Zach Wilson would go second or do you think he would take less money and and go third I guess what I'm saying is I guess what I'm saying is do you do you think he wants to go to New York I'm not really sure because I don't know a lot about his character, but I understand his family is well off, but you still got a gritty down-to-earth demeanor. Obviously, playing in New York is a big deal, although in football, it matters a lot less than in basketball. And of course, the Jets have blown pretty much Zach Wilson's entire life. But (laughs) just looking at it from a talent and coaching perspective, even if Robert Sala is a good coach, he's still a defensive-minded guy. Compare that to San Francisco where... Kyle Shanahan made Jimmy Garoppolo look pretty good. You've got maybe the best tight end in football, good receivers, one of the best offensive tackles in Trent Williams. Talent-wise, San Francisco, we know they were a Super Bowl team 18 months ago, so it's just a fluke that they're this bad. I would want to go to the 49ers, obviously a team that just went to a Super Bowl. Zach Wilson could probably make them into a Super Bowl contender again. But I don't think the Jets are that bad. They've got some pieces on offense. At least he's not going to be all alone on offense like Marcus Mariota was when we drafted him. John, I think something we miss sometimes is how fundamentally different the mindset is of like an elite athlete. So we think about this like fans and normal people about how we might think about it with a lot of planning and logic. And of course, but I remember, I don't know, more more than 15 years ago now when Blake Griffin uh, was coming out and he was going to be the the first overall pick, no brainer to the Clippers. And the Clippers had just, just done such a bad job with careers for so long. And it was like, man, he, I bet he doesn't want to go. It's a jinx. And he said, look, I want to go to the Clippers because I am the one to change it. And I think these guys think that way because we sit and think, oh, the Jets, man, he would go one pick later to the 49ers and this or that. But your elite athlete is not wired that way, are they? No, but I, I don't understand this Clippers reference. Is it a international sport? What? It's what uh, sailing. I just assumed you're oh, a big okay. sailing fan. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, no, it's inter- it, it, it's interesting, and honestly, um, you know, thinking about your original question, like, oh, would Zach Wilson get? Would he choose to be drafted to the Jets? Obviously, everybody we want to look at with the Jets would say pass. Here's a kid who I think he originally committed to play at Boise State, and then later decommitted and chose to go to BYU, and now we're talking about a BYU prospect as a quarterback being drafted with the number two pick. So I think. He kind of would do it. He, he he obviously has a lot that he wants to prove, you know, not playing in a big program and having that opportunity to go no, number two overall. I think he'd do it. I, I just think it's a really interesting spot. And, yeah, like you said, we've seen the Jets ruin a kajillion players, especially quarterbacks, even just as recently as last year with um, Sam Darnold. So I think it's really interesting and – I think someday we might get to a point where players do have a little bit of a say, but right. I think this kid would be all for it. The way our past has been, either or, we have a draft or we don't. I, I think things mm. now with analytics, I think I think we should get creative because we have rewarded teams for being fundamentally bad 
for generations. It has to stop. Mm-hmm. All that being said, you know, the Browns have turned it around. You know, I honestly hope the Jets. I'm tired of the same teams being awful. Maybe this kid is exactly what they need. You're right. He basically came from nowhere. It's interesting. It's risky. But it may very well work. And I, I kind of hope it does because I just get tired of the same bottom five teams. It's uh, mm-hmm. It just hurts the league. Pick three. This is where the draft starts. And literally, this is where it really heated up because the 49ers drafted up to tw- from 12 to three. They want a quarterback. Landon, this is going to be Trey Lance, Justin Fields, or Mac Jones. Who are they yeah, going to pick Thursday? It should be Justin Fields. I have Trey Lance ahead of him, but Fields is my QB3. And given that Lance needs more development, I can see the justifiable argument for taking the more ready-made prospect. And we've talked about this before, but Justin Fields is likely suffering from prospect fatigue because he was a number two recruit to Trevor Lawrence. He had two great seasons along with Trevor Lawrence. He's in the same draft class as Trevor Lawrence. I think you could make this pick better for them than they could, but who are they, bottom line, who are they going to pick on Thursday? I think they are going to pick Justin Fields. I know the Mac Jones rumors are out there, but there's no reason for those rumors to actually leak when you traded two first-round picks to get your guy. If you think Mac Jones is that good, either you think Zach Wilson is better, and you know what Zach Wilson is going at two, why would you leak something a month before the draft for no conceivable reason? I and know why. Yeah, are, right. Are they trying to Jedi mind trick the Jets into yeah. taking the fifth best quarterback at two? No, I think they're trying to make sure that nobody, yeah, that the Jets don't get cold feet with their guy. I really think that, John. I think it's like, oh, we love Justin Fields and such an opportunity. The Jets are like, are we giving them the opportunity to take the second best quarterback? The Jets are that flimsy. I really think oh, that this is all being smoke and mirrors. But we're going to find out, John, on Thursday. And you know what? Nobody substantially knows if it's going to be Justin Fields or Trey Lance or Mac Jones. I think it could be either three guys and that's what makes this usually we know at this point who the third guy is going to be you know pretty much and that's what makes this kind of fun because I don't I don't think anybody but two guys in San Francisco know honestly if I'm being 100% honest I think their bluff trick with New York will work I think they're going to force New York to take somebody who they don't want they're going to have they're going to push them to move off of Wilson kind of mess up the draft a little bit but San Fran might get the exact quarterback they want at three and force the Jets into, you know, eternal quarterback purgatory. No, I think they've kind of forced the Jets into what they want them to do, which is take Zach Wilson. So what I mean by that is they, if they came in a month ago after they traded up and were hot and heavy on one of these guys, I think they were afraid in the small chance that the Jets were going to flinch. And so once they really substantiated the rumors of Wilson uh, to New York, that's when they made the trade. But they wanted to know for sure. So they made that trade, and they are being very muddy about this to protect whoever they really want. Mm -hmm. All that said, it still could be Mac Jones Thursday because they're going to do whatever they want. They they just – Kyle Shanahan is considered, you know, one of maybe the best mind in football right now, and so he's going to do whatever he wants. He doesn't care if people have a good laugh about Mac Jones. He doesn't care. So it could be him, and it could very easily – you could talk yourself into Justin Fields and Trey Lance. Because of the smoke, in my mock right now, I'm, I'm going to go Mac Jones. That's not what I would do, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the tea leaves here. And I'm going to say they're going to pick Mac Jones. So final one, like who, John, who, who do you have them taking? I think they should take Justin Fields, but I think they will take Trey Lance. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I, if they want a guy that – can start immediately they'll take justin fields if they want if they don't find a suitor for jimmy g and they're not going to get a first round pick i'm i don't care what they say it's not going to happen for jimmy g i i think they're going to take trey lance let him sit yeah. behind jimmy g for a year or that force him smart. into the game if he gets injured because mm-hmm. we all know he jimmy will. g is probably going to get injured but you know what that's not a bad plan because there's big upside in that guy but i don't think it would be pretty week one with him so oh, this no. works out well for the purpose of what we're doing, because Landon has them taking Fields, you have them taking Lance, I have them taking Mac Jones, so that's going to give us good variance here, uh, because any of those kings can happen. So uh, obviously, all the picks and the dominoes fall differently. So I think we're going to a good subsection here. That's and also, three. one thing I Go want ahead. to point out too, I don't think Trey Lance deserves to be taken this high, but I think I don't either because San Francisco is sitting here, he will. I think that's well said, and they went up to be aggressive and honestly picking. 
swinging for the fences is Trey Lance. And that would actually make more sense, although I think he's the riskiest prospect in this draft. Because if he does hit, he's going to be really good. And I think that's why you trade three picks not to pick a a game manager. Mm -hmm. And Trey Lance is never going to be a game manager. He's going to either hit or not. It makes more sense. I would pick Justin Fields. I think they're going to pick Mac Jones. This is where the draft starts. This is where the talk is. We're going to move on. Really fun. This is they. San Francisco has made this draft really fun. Okay, so we're going to have this. Whatever fireworks going to happen, then we're going to have the same old, same old Atlanta Falcons. Uh, we'll, we'll pivot the draft in a big way here because we don't really know what they're going to do. They could take Justin Fields if he's there and stow him away. That would be smart. That's his home state. And they think with their coach, Matt Ryan, and they have pieces that they could get right back as this is a team that three years ago was in the Super Bowl. They will trade down with either the Denver Broncos, the Chicago Bears, the New England Patriots, or the Washington football team, whoever wants the quarterback four in this draft class. They have so many needs. And at the positions of need, the talent in this draft class doesn't line up to take that early at four outside of taking Kyle Pitts. And their offense is already so good. Why would you just make your offense just unbelievably talented at the expense of your defense? And just the opportunity cost, they can likely get a future first if they trade with anyone but Denver. They, get, they can get their best defensive prospect. They can rebuild the defense. That way they don't have to worry about a coup attempt of the front office has already said they want to draft a quarterback. Arthur Smith wants to run it back with Matt Ryan. You don't want to have that much tension between your new head coach and your front office. John, I agree with him. I think one way or the other, I think Justin Fields or Trey Lance is going to get picked here in, in a small chance by Atlanta, but by somebody. I have it Trey Lance at four. No matter Trey who Lance, trades okay. up for it, I think it'll be Lance. Yeah. You, you Everybody's guys so big about doing the trades and stuff, but I don't think it matters. It just matters what pick the player goes for the purposes of, of mock drafting. So you got Trey Lance here. I've got Justin Fields going here one way or the other. John, who do you have it for? Believe it or not, I, I really think they're going to stay put, and I think they're going to take Kyle Pitts. You've got okay, Arthur cool. Smith, who is a former tight ends coach and can really right. appreciate – what a great tight end can do. And then, you know, you kind of give the, the Falcons a stacked offense, which is what which is what Arthur Smith wants. They want to put up 35, you know, 40-plus points a game, and this is how they start to do it. They've got Julio Jones. They've got Calvin Ridley. They've got Russell Gage, Matt Ryan. You know, they need a tight end. They need a running back, and then they can literally score as many points as they want. They, they may be taking, you know, changing of the guard from the Saints, putting up 50 points a game. And now it's the Falcons. So I, I think they're going to stay put and take pits. I, I'm glad that you did that because I think that very well could happen. And uh, this kind of – you're seeing uh, – listening at home, you're kind of seeing the myriad of how many different ways this could shake out. And that is definitely one of them because he is a really uh, prodigious talent. Uh, everyone knows I'm not as high on him. You mentioned Vernus, Vernon Davis, 2006, and I, I remember he was the next big great one, and he wound up being good. But mm-hmm. um, there's no guarantees of greatness, and everyone knows that. But that being said, even with what they have at tight end, they've done well to trade last year and bring on um, Hayden Hurst. Mm-hmm. They're very different guys, and we know as well as anybody that Arthur Smith could make that really, really work, really work with Kyle Pitts next year. I think – uh, Arthur Blank on down. They they want to win. They want to get back in this, and I don't think they want to wait. Uh, pick five. I've made this joke before. I, Joe Burrow might retire if they don't pick um, uh, <laughs> Panay Sewell. Wouldn't shock me in a way. Uh, I am really high on Rashawn Slater, uh, but I don't think they can get cute. I just think they pick a guy. Um, Panay Sewell needs some maturation physically, and I think otherwise because he is just like 20 years old, but he's a good, safe bet and it just sort of fits right uh we'll start with you john i think it's panay Sewell. i mean there was a funny i think i might have mentioned it before it, on social media circles specifically facebook there's a picture that was floating around and it was of joe burrow the new cincinnati Bengals. out uh, their new uniforms the t- it said show me the who the Bengals are drafting without telling me and it was a picture of joe burrow's scar on his knee right. that's your future that's your franchise and you have got to do a better job of protecting him. And I think there is no other pick than Panay Sewell. I mean, he's young. He needs to mature. But he's a mountain of a man. 
Right. And I, I just, you know, I don't see another way fall out, out of this pick. Absolutely. It was ugly last year. We all knew that injury was coming. It's not fair to him. It's It has to be. So I know that it, there's still talk of Jamar Chase. And even though I do think Chase is the best wide receiver in this draft class and the best wide receiver prospect since Calvin Johnson, they have good receivers. The wide receiver depth this year, and we've just seen how in today's NFL, you can find good receivers anywhere. And they don't, they really only need a wide receiver three. You draft a guy that's almost a generational talent at offensive tackle, the second most valuable position in football. Protect your guy. He's only 20. He's going to be entering his 10th year in the league before he turns 30. He has Hall of Fame upside. He's not as good as Quentin Nelson coming out. I think Quentin Nelson is literally the only prospect maybe ever that you could say was perfect. But Panay Sewell, to me, is almost perfect. And offensive line is just too valuable to pass up. Well said. At six, I think the Miami Dolphins, when they traded back up, which I thought was really weird, they ran this through a million times, and they feel like they have a 75% chance or better to wind up with Pitts. And I think that's what's going to happen here. And I think they were okay enough with the consolation of Jamar Chase. I really think that. And so, in my board, they get Pitts. If he's here, it just makes a lot of sense to match Tua with a really good safety valve. Johnny's off your board, so where do the Dolphins go at six here? For me, Jamar Chase is still here, and I think that's where they go, though I could see them you know, taking Slater. I, I can see them getting better on the offensive line, but I really think that they want to be explosive. You know, they've got Devontae Parker. They've got Will Fuller. I think they're looking for that true one, and they want it to be Chase. I also have it at Pitts, mainly just because the talent disparity between Pitts and the next best tight end is a lot larger than the gap between Chase and the next best receiver. Remember, Miami has pick 18, 33, and 36. So that's 18 to 36. That's the sweet spot of the tier two receivers. You can get a guy that can can come in, maybe not be a superstar right away like Jamar Chase, but it's going to be really good. And with Pitts, like you mentioned, a unique a unique talent, a unique receiving tight end. Last year, I joked a lot. They've got their tight ends are just three different wide guys that are all really tall. Pitts can come in; he can be a top five receiving tight end right away. That's true because we've seen tight ends become the haves and have nots over the last five years, especially. Do you remember in fantasy football, you used to just stream a tight end? <laughs> it's not the case anymore, right? It's gotten harder, and I think the spread offense. In college, it's not as tight end dependent, and I think it has taken away these highly skilled guys that we used to have coming out of the pro, the the pro form college uh, offensive and stuff. I I really think that's a factor, and I think these guys that used to play tight end, they don't put on as much weight, and they play receiver or they're playing defensive end, which is even more of a flashy position than ever. I know that sounds strange, but you think about these guys and their physical kind of skill set, what they could have been. Uh, like in a previous generation, for whatever reason, the tight end is like much harder to come by. Just the good tight end. And his floor is top five receiving tight end immediately. Detroit Lions, really going to be fun here. On my board, I still have Trey Lance. So this is the part where uh, Denver, um, if they haven't already traded up, they would trade up and go here. So I'm tempted to, to just put Trey Lance here one way or the other. But Detroit really needs a receiver. I've still got Jamar Chase. Uh, I think we all do. I've got Jamar Chase hanging out here. It's going to be one or the other there, but I'm going to put in Jamar Chase uh, for Denver. That's not for Detroit. That's not what I would do. Um, I would take one of these quarterbacks and let them sort of percolate. This, If Trey Lance is, in fact, here, I think Detroit would be ideal for him to sit and wait. But Detroit doesn't obviously do what I would do a lot because they're in Detroit, unfortunately. <laughs> I've got Jamar Chase here, bottom line. Landon, what's Detroit going to do at seven? I think it should be Chase, I mentioned earlier, best receiver prospect since Megatron. Funny enough, he goes to Megatron's old team. Even if Chase fell this far, it still feels like the right spot for him just because it's a really talented quarterback draft class and other positions of need just take priority. But like you said, Detroit, I think last year their defense gave the most touchdowns in NFL history. And they have Jared Goff clogging up their cap space for the next two years. Just take good players, just build a foundation for when you can get out from under Jared Goff and eventually bounce back. 
Man, this is where I can start getting a little, you know, I think things can get really interesting. Like you said, I think there's a very good possibility that somebody like Denver trades up to seven. You know, it won't cost them a ton to move up two spots and then they can land the quarterback that they want, whether it's Lance or whether it's Fields or Mac Jones. But they could also still sit there and probably get Mac Jones at at nine. With Detroit having Dan Campbell, who's a defensive kind of a guy, I think they're going to really take this opportunity to boost up that defense. The problem is who? (laughs) I think this might be a reach for them, but I think he could be one of the most dynamic defensive players in this draft. It's a toss-up between Michael Parsons and Quiddy Pay, but I think they might take Parsons. Sitting here at seven, they nab one of the best linebackers in this draft, if not the one that we've seen for a while. I know you guys aren't as high on Parsons as I am. They certainly have the need. Yeah, I mean, they, they certainly just have conf- the need. The year before, you watch them play. I mean, he is a difference maker. Obviously, I don't like off-ball guys in the top ten, but it makes a lot of sense for Detroit because when they came here and played us, they were just literally pitiful on defense. Yep. So, anything on defense uh, would uh-oh. be smart. Hard fellas at eight. Big turning point here. Carolina, and looks like they've cast their lot for Sam Darnold. My big take is this is the first big mistake of this draft. In two years, we're going to look back and say they passed on a quarterback for Sam Darnold. And I know, yeah, tough situation there. But he was epically bad. Epically bad. Wasn't very good his final year at USC. I hope the best for him. I don't think he's an NFL quarterback. And they gave second-round plus value to find that out. On my board, Trey Lance is here. They should take him regardless. I don't know. They think out of the box maybe they will. But somebody's going to take him or he will be taken at this point. So I'm going to go Trey Lance here. But do you guys, first of all, agree with me? They gave up too much value based on what we've seen from Sam Darnold so far. And where do you think they go at eight? We'll start with you, Landon. I'd agree that they gave up too much. Outside of 2019, I believe, when the Jets had a laughably easy schedule, the Jets and Darnold have looked like complete bums in the three years Darnold was there. And then at eight, I know they spent their entire 2020 draft class on defense by them taking South Carolina cornerback J.C. Horn. They need that dominant number one cornerback since they let James Bradbury walk in free agency. I know that the offensive line needs work, but to me, the offensive line depth in the second round, I like more than the cornerback depth in the second round. And J.C. Horn has the tools to be a lockdown man corner. John, what do you think? Well, kind of hard to argue with Landon's pick, but, you know, I, I, like you, think that they kind of screwed it up with Darnold. I don't think he's got it. I Well, I, he let me let me correct this. He may have had enough to, to be in the league, but like the Jets do, I think they have incre- they have ruined any, any potential that he had. Um, you know, cause when you start in the league, you know, you have to be co- coached and mentored and the Jets just do a horrible job at that. And I think they've really ruined this kid. I don't know what Carolina is going to have in him. Um, so I, I really, you know, fields for me is right here. I want to take him, but I'm not going to, because like you said, they internally believed in him because they gave up second round value. And like Landon said, they went all defense last year, which that's awesome at the time, but you're going to hurt for some offensive positions. And I think they are going to bolster the offensive line with the next best available, if not the best tackle in the draft with Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern. I think they have to protect whatever quarterback they have back there. You've got an injured Teddy Bridgewater, or you've got Sam Darnold, who they have a high value on internally. So I think that's where they have to go. I think that's a good point. Slater is going to be a top 10 pick. Uh, That is not a consensus, but uh, it is for me. I'd be really surprised. Not as tall as I'd like him to be, but he has got the hands and technique and feet of a long-time left guard at worst, but probably going to stick at tackles. So, yeah, I I like that pick. So, Landon goes horn here. Uh, Sounds like, John, you're going Rashawn Slater, and I went Trey Lance one way or the other, whatever team or the other here. Nine, Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos are one of those uh, teams that haven't been good, but people kind of presume they're a quarterback away. There is talent on that team on both sides. 
they have obviously had a big issue finding their next quarterback. Everybody knows that and has a lot of fun with that because the irony of John Elway. And although he's not the general manager anymore, he still seems to have somewhat control of this team, but I don't think necessarily control of the draft. At nine for me, uh, they do have a need at tackle. And I think Rashawn Slater, if he's here, this is as late as he'll go. Watch a lot of tape on him. He is uh, – you mentioned Quentin Nelson uh, before. He's not – Quentin Nelson, but he's as ready to play as Quentin Nelson. We'll see what his um, position winds up being. But I think it's Slater if he's here at nine. Uh, Landon, where where do you have Denver going? I've got a Michael McCorkle-Jones, QB5. And I know I've said, oh, he's talent dependent. He lacks the physical upside. And you said that some people think the Broncos are quarterback away. I really do think that. If they get Mac Jones, I think they're a playoff team. They've got the weapons. They've got the offensive line. They added Kyle Fuller. Von Miller is going to be healthy. They look like a playoff team, a wild card team since the Chiefs are in the division. But they look like a playoff team. Mac Jones, the weapons they have, Jerry Judy, Sutton, Tim Patrick, Noah Fant. Those are all guys that can get open. Those are plus athletes, plus talents. And Mac Jones can get them the ball in open space and let them go to work. John, what do you think of that pick? I actually am going to agree. Um, I would take Mac Jones if I were them. He, My draft, I've still got... Justin Fields on the board, but I think they want a guy that pocket type than than Justin Fields. So I think they go Mac Jones, and they really find somebody to either be their presumed starter or to really push Drew Locke, who I know we all in, internally we all like Drew Locke uh, and want him to succeed. But I think they're ready to to get that quarterback and figure it out. And in Elway's mind. He either gets Mac Jones as a starter or he has an incredible competition for a starting quarterback. Well, when you both say it like that, it does make sense. They keep hitting. They keep trying. I think they already have Mac Jones uh, <laughs> on the roster. But um, they called know, him I don't yesterday. See what the difference between Drew Locke and him? I think they would. Yeah. I think they should trade up, and I think they will trade up. And whoever falls out, Trey Lance or Justin Fields, either one, I think would look really good in that in that elevation. The team that has not been really super relevant in a while, except when you look at you know ratings for football games, uh, Dallas Cowboys are still have a just giant following. I think they built their team the wrong way. When they peaked, they still didn't have a pass rush. They are the reason I think our team tries every year, makes big risks because it doesn't matter how good you are. If you can't pressure the quarterback in the playoffs, it doesn't matter. They're going to presumably have Dak Pres- Prescott back 100% healthy, obviously well-paid, they don't take him for granted anymore. But they still need a little help. At 10, I have him at Patrick Sertain. He's moved up boards, and now he's sort of kind of a certainty because it does kind of look like a Jerry Jones pick, and I I sort of buy it. If he's here, Patrick Sertain at 10. What about you, John? I'm going the same way. I think think initially they wanted to take Farley. Farley's injury history is going to scare a ton of people off. You know, I'm going to take Sertain – uh, here too, I think the Cowboys might have considered Farley, but I think with the injury histories, uh, the injury history in his back surgery, I think they're scared off of him. I think a lot of teams are going to be scared off of him. So somebody might get a steal later in the draft, but I think really they and I feel like the Cowboys have drafted corner a kajillion times, but I think they do it again and they take Sertain here. And I will make it three for three on Sertain, the most boring good player, the most boring team to mock for in the. In the first round, really. This is a guy been linked to Dallas since the season ended. He's really good. I don't really see the upside that his athletic testing suggests and how some people view him, but he's really good. And their cornerback room right now is just awful. It's either Trevon Diggs, who's facing domestic violence charges, or it's Dabe Awuze, who's just a bit above average. So the offense looks really good. The defense needs a lot of work, none more than that corner. So it's either Horn or Sertain. And Jerry Jones should be praying both of them don't go before 10. Yeah, and when you see last year where we thought the corners were going to go and they went, everybody went before we thought. We saw a run on them early, and we saw some reaches for that. And so you're right. I think Jerry's praying the same thing doesn't happen. Because at the back end of the top 10, this could get murky. Uh, We saw last year Jacksonville 10 just take their guy. Uh, Yeah, so if he's here, they'll take him. I guess that's the best way to put it. After that – the New York Giants picking 11th. They reached at four on Andrew Thomas. 
I felt like there were three or four tackles that were about the same, kind of just different flavors, and I think they picked the wrong flavor. I know he started out poorly and played better. I'm not saying he's a bust or anything. But, you know, Werfs at 11, you know, who played really well and won a championship. You know, that was seven picks later. I think for me, a lot of people are going to have them because they need another tackle or going to have them go Christian Darisol, who I really like. But he plays a lot like Andrew Thomas. Uh, he is a little soft, and he is not a bulldog. I think they're going to be scared away. They need a guard. For me, Al Vera Tucker in USC, if he played guard and then tackle in college, I think he's going to be a really good guard if somebody just lets him do it. They need a guard. I think Al Vera Tucker is going to be the pick at 11, and I don't think they care to pick a guard. We know that the front office for the Giants likes to pick from the inside out. This is a pretty obvious pick for me. It's going to surprise a few people. What do you guys think about Alvera Tucker at 11, and where do you think the Giants go? I would say it's definitely early for Vera Tucker, but at the same time, like if Slater and Sewell both go, they're in a tricky spot where you have to reach on the next best offensive lineman, but like you said, it's also a need. And for me, I think this pick is also super easy. I went wide receiver here, Devontae Smith, my number four overall prospect on the board. Don't, I've talked about him so much. The only thing you can knock him for is his size. He's elite at everything else. And you they signed Kenny Galladay to big money. I'm really high on Darius Slayton. And after this year, if they drafted Devontae Smith, they could get off Sterling Shepard, who's just okay. But to me, Galladay being the big down-the-field threat, Slayton adding a speed element, and Smith being a precise route runner. If Daniel Jones can't succeed then, then at the very least, the Giants know to cut bait and move on. That is a really compelling argument for a non-need pick there at 11. John, um, I know that Alvera Tucker's not a household name, but his grade and his size and their need kind of speaks for itself. He makes a similar argument for how Devontae Smith could really put them over the top. Who do you like at 11 for New York? I like Vera Tucker. I think that's a decent pick, and I think it's something that they should consider. I also, you know, I'm looking here at the Giants roster and it's literally like a, you know, former Titans roster on defense with all the guys they've taken from us, you know, from Adoree to Josh Kalu to Chris Milton to Logan Ryan to Austin Johnson. It's just, <laughs> it's kind of funny when you start to think about it. Well, I think and, you look at it like this. Um, the good teams develop more players than they can pay. Yeah. And the bad teams uh, pay other people's develop players. And that's why you see, you know, for years we got st old Steelers and old Ravens. It's because they were developing guys when we weren't, and we just overpaid for their second tier of players. And um, it, it it didn't serve them bad because Logan Ryan was one of their best players last year. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think it's a compliment to us um, that we have these players that, you know, are on our rosters and they turn over and go somewhere else. I'm really tempted to go. I was actually thinking about going Jalen Waddle here. But looking at their roster, there are quite a few holes on defense. And with how they're trying to load up in their defensive backfield, they don't have anybody to rush the passer except for Dexter Lawrence and um, uh, Leonard Williams, which they're kind of more interior guys at, at point. So I think they would actually like to take a, an edge rusher, an outside linebacker. So I'm going to pencil them in for Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa from Notre Dame. I think they just need a stud linebacker. I mean, especially with the teams in their division. I mean, if you're sitting here looking at the Eagles, I don't really see a whole lot of deep down the field threats. Dallas, Washington, eh. But they all are going to have a pretty decent run game. Um, I mean, you're talking about a division that has Antonio Gibson. I know maybe the consensus is out on him, but the three of us really like him. Then you've got Miles Sanders in, in Philly. You've got Zeke in Dallas. I think they need somebody that can protect like the short stuff. So I'm going to, I'm going to take Owusu Koromoa. Our guys, that brings us to Philly at 12. Well-known needs here. Receiver, linebacker, corner, which has been their needs for a long time. It just so happens we've got a good deep uh, set here for receiver, linebacker, and corner. The way my board has fallen. Anyways. They're looking at Parsons, Devonta Smith um, here, uh, maybe J.C. Horn uh, on my board. Uh, I like that pick earlier of Jeremiah Owosu, uh, Koromoa, uh, really good linebacker for Notre Dame. And, John, I figured he would shoot up more boards. I mean, he's a really good player if you watch Notre Dame play. But, for me, I think 
they look at Jalen Hurts and they know that if they can make him stick next year, that's an affordable quarterback for a few more years. A lot of people think it's a risk. They're okay with taking risks. Devonta Smith in a Jalen Hurts offense, that guy finds space. And although this may not happen, he may go later for me with this board, really tough between Micah Parsons or him, but because of some issues with Parsons, just the idea of how much Devonta Smith could help Jalen Hurts, right? I think I think he's the pick there. What about you, Landon? I know some people have Jalen Waddle really high. I don't quite see it with him, especially with the ankle injury, but he's good. What he brings to the table is always valuable. Legit sub four three speed, a deep threat. Great after the catch. And Eagles fans probably going to be a bit worried if they draft a receiver, given that they always seem to pick the wrong one. But to me, they should be hoping Chase and Smith go ahead of them. Or really, they should just be hoping that two receivers go before them so that they just have to take the third best guy. Because to me, all three of the receivers are good. And Philly, just wide receiver, is their biggest need on offense. Like I said with the Giants and Daniel Jones, Jalen Hurts might be your future. You want to know if he's the future. Your wide receiver core is really bad right now. Give him the best weapons possible. See if he's got what it takes so you're not stuck in purgatory. I'm split here between corner and wide receiver. I've got J.C. Horn still on my board. I've got both receivers out of Alabama. Part of me thinks, you know, leaning towards Horn, but I, I think kind of what you guys are saying. I, I'm going to pick Devonta Smith. Uh, he's still on my board. I think he makes this offense pretty electric. Um, I've I touched just a pick uh, two picks ago about Miles Sanders being on that team, being healthy. Uh, I think it's something that they can really, really like and um, you know compete at a high level in this. You know, I guess we can call it the the most subpar division in the league, and you know really take a big step forward in that league. So I'm going to take Devonta Smith. Well, it makes sense. And we'll see. They're going to have options. I think it's interesting how 12 kind of lays out. And I don't think it's a coincidence they were willing to go down to 12, right? Because I think they liked a lot of players. The 13, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers are going to be similar to the Cincinnati Bengals, right? Where they're going to take the best tackle or maybe guard on the board. Uh, unless they really, really like a guy they know they'll be there in the second round and they want one of these corners, that is a big need for them. So, Newsome, J.C. Horn on my board. That's going to be tempting. But ultimately, the best really, really good tackle is left on the board. He needs to get a little more dog in him, but he graded out extraordinarily well. He seems like a really good guy, and he's got the perfect body to play uh, tackle for a long time. He's long. He's tall. Christian Darisaw. I think this would be one of those – it's cliche now because they don't actually do it, but uh, this would be one of those run it up to the, to the podium types, right? <laughs> I, I think so. I mean – you know, we know that they're serious about the offensive line. They paid for Corey Lindsley to come along. Yeah, they paid for Corey Lindsley to come along. They don't really have a whole lot of tackle depth. And it, it, like you said, with Cincinnati, they have a young quarterback and they need to protect him. So I think Darison makes a ton of sense here. Landon, this is uh, protect your investment territory, right? Absolutely, especially with Herbert looking like a fringe top five quarterback as a rookie. And even though there's coaching staff changes and now defenses have film, he looks like the next superstar as a rookie. I also went offensive line, and the way the board fell, the Chargers should feel extra hyped up for this pick. Rashawn Slater fell at 13. If Darisaw is a no-brainer, Rashawn Slater should just be a no-brainer. I don't know if that's how you... I don't know if that's <laughs> a thing, but like I said, Slater, really solid all around. Maybe he's a guard. Maybe he's a tackle. He's a good lineman. The Chargers' offensive line was the worst in football. Like you guys said, protect your quarterback. Well, I'm glad we're all on the same page there. <laughs> How about a team that really could be on their way down or a player away? 14, uh, Minnesota Vikings. Go ahead, John, do it. We got to uh, do it. I know. You could just hear another. New uh, John, who, on the Minnesota Vikings. John, who does Lizzo <laughs> want to be the next Minnesota Viking? Who, who does she pick here? Oh, it's a tough one because Minnesota can go a bunch of different ways. But for me specifically, I think they need a lot of help on defense. They need to get an edge rusher. So right here, I'm going to take Quiddy Pay. You know, probably what I think is is going to be one of the most raw but most physical edge rushers in the draft. Um, I think they take him, develop him, and he ends up being a cornerstone for that franchise for a long time. Landon, there is a dearth of pass rushing 
talent in this draft, especially at the top of it. It's really weird because a lot of teams have that need, but we haven't seen anybody come off. Be- but this is the point probably, as John illustrates, where um, they're just somebody's going to get taken because of the, the big need here. Who do, you, who do you like at 14 for Minnesota? I'm also going with an edge rusher. My top pass rusher on the board, top 10 player, Aziz Ojolari out of Georgia. Daniil yeah. Hunter, really good when he's healthy, was hurt last year. I think he bounces back. Ojolari, nice combination of floor and ceiling. I've talked about him an episode ago. I really like his speed, his pass rush moves. Just really solid, has a high upside. Just start rebuilding the defense. The offense looked pretty good last year. You know, I think they would like to pick Trevin uh, Morig, the really good safety from TCU. But just positionally, I think he's going to go a little bit later. But he would he would be the need pick here. I think they're going to be really upset uh, to lose uh, Christian Darisol. I think uh, they, I think they would like him, but he went on my board just a pick before. Uh, so it's interesting. You're like you said, uh, they they could reach for an edge guy here. It's hard for me to get a feel for uh, what they're going to do. I don't think they're going to be as big on uh, Quiddy Pay. I don't think he fits kind of physically. I mean, obviously he's a freak and everything. Kind of what they want. And I think it's too early for uh, Jason uh, Oa. I think who would who would fit kind of the kind of lean physical guys that you see have seen them pick over time so i'm gonna go micah parsons here i'm gonna go uh best player available for them they have certainly made uh and developed especially under their current coaching uh regime they have developed really good defensive players so i'm gonna say micah parsons here because he's gonna go here or before at this point uh, he's just got so much talent i remember watching this season not this past season but one before um penn state's bowl game and just being like who i mean who is this guy yeah. He's like all over the place. Lawrence Taylor, I mean. Well, yeah, oh, just a little bit smaller and everything. I, I think of like Devin White type. I mean, he's mm-hmm. just everywhere, and he's he's nasty. Minnesota has not missed too many opportunities. Uh, they're a good drafting team. I think they're just limited at quarterback. Uh, they're a really good drafting team. That's going to leave us to 15. Uh, you know, it's like that old movie star used to be a big deal. Now he hasn't had a hit in a while. We're still talking about them. The New England Patriots. Okay, we've seen a desperate – everybody wants to spin it and say this or that, a desperate offseason. They have been really lazy drafting for years. Uh, I think some arrogance and some ego has kept, you know, Bill Belichick from really letting somebody own that for them. When you think about Jason Light, uh, who has been the now longtime general manager for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and our own John Robinson, both of these guys – were in New England for years and would have happily taken control of the draft and stayed there. They could have those guys. Uh, Jason Light, when you look at his draft last year, unbelievable. <laughs> like what they brought on that immediately helped that team. And, and our guy has a really good track record too. Uh, these are the guys that he's shown the doors so he can make uh, the picks that he's made the last decade. I know that's hard on him, but I think he deserves that, right? And they have done – some catching up this season. We'll see how it goes. Here he is at 15. And I think it's uh, – this guy historically has really liked corner. And he's been pretty <laughs> good at, at picking a corner. He's got a lot of them here. I think we could see Newsom go right here at 15. Everybody's talked quarterback. Everybody's talked this or that. This could free them up to move Gilmore. If Newsom's here, he likes a tall guy. He likes a tough guy. I mean, this guy was could have been printed at – Patriots headquarters. I like Newsom here. That'll su- surprise some people. But put on the tape, uh, he could he could easily be the fifteenth pick. Landon, who who do you like for New England? And am I being too hard on them earlier? I think you were fair. That really their talent is they find the guys people forget about and they make them into good players. They don't necessarily find the talented guys and make them superstars. Really, like we ha- when was the last Patriots star that they drafted early that was really good. Like outside of Gronk, in uh, Mayo, uh, Hightower, Landon, uh, John. Am I missing anybody? It's been a while, and it's been a defensive player. Yeah, but then you look minute. at their, then you look at their later stuff. Like last year, they draft Michael Awinu in the fifth or sixth, and he's a, a star offensive lineman from day one. J.C. Jackson goes late. He he has nine. Oh yeah, that's last still year. their that's still their bread and butter. But you can't go a decade and not hit on a first round pick. I don't care how good your fifth rounders are. Yeah, and that's, that's your and then, point, I think. Yeah. Then moving on to their actual pick, I have them taking Zayvon Collins, the hybrid outside linebacker from Tulsa. Just super high football character. 
built in a lab, a throwback linebacker, can do it all. He's just super versatile. He brings some pass rush, which they can use. He's good in coverage, I think. He's got a lot of athleticism to be schemed up. Just really solid, high football character, a lot of upside. John, am I too hard on New England? And uh, I know you you wouldn't care even if I was. <laughs> yeah, and, I don't uh, care. That. I, who, I don't who, think who you're do you hard like enough. Here? I don't think you're hard <laughs> enough on him. You know, I if I had a dollar for every time I've heard a Patriots fan or seen a Patriots article say, oh, they're going to trade up and take a quarterback because, you know, we're the Patriots and we never draft this high and blah, 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 blah. I'd be a millionaire. I don't think that's the case. And even on my big board, I've, I've, I've got Justin Fields sitting here, but I don't think he's a fit in New England at all. I think there's a reason that they brought John U. Smith and Hunter Henry and that they're, they're confident letting Cam Newton do his thing one more year and seeing what that project has. So you actually read my mind with Newsom, uh, not necessarily the player, but position. I think this is a spot where they kind of would love to thrive. And this is a team that they're not afraid to take players with red flags if they think that they're worth it. So I think a guy like Caleb, Caleb Farley sitting here at 15 and they might be like, you know, we get the number one corner here at 15 and, you know, they're able to, to put those medical concerns to, to, to rest. Um, I think this is a guy that they seriously consider and then end up pulling the trigger on. So I'm mocking them at Caleb Farley here at 15. I think that's a good pick. Uh, we can see that. It's early for me for him, but only because of his medical history, because he has top 10 talent. All right, pick 16, the Arizona Cardinals. Landon, who do you like for Arizona? Well, I was looking through their depth chart, and their interior offensive line really stuck out. Justin Pugh and Brian Winters is, it's not awful, but it's not that compelling to me. I went with Elijah Vera Tucker, who looked really good at left guard in 2019. Plug and play guard. Cliff Clingsbury, offensive guy. Their offense struggled last year, in part because their offensive line wasn't that good. You get a solid, unspectacular offensive lineman, help out Kyler Murray. You play it safe, but at the same time, I know corner is such a desperate need. But I don't see them reaching a bit on Newsom. Farley's back injury is risky. So to me, they play it safe. They get a solid year one starter and just hope in round two or three they can find a cornerback. John, I'm having a tough time kind of figuring out where they're going to go here. Yeah. Um, who who do you like at 16? This is Man. a weird time of this draft. I think we're it's early for some. Uh, in the last few drafts, especially, we've seen just a run on need here. So we're, you know, their their yeah. big need being yeah. you know a tight end, anybody on the defensive line, a corner. I mean, they just take the best corner on the board, or do they get creative here? I think they're going to take the best corner on the board, which for me is J.C. Horn. And you guys know me. I've been talking about J.C. Horn since we started watching tape. And I love this kid. And I want him to be there for us at 22. But he doesn't quite make it to 22. And I think, you know, they lose Patrick Peterson, who's been their corner for past decade plus. Um, and they haven't had to think about corner for a while. That division's always competitive. They're always going to need a great defensive backfield. They've got Buda Baker locked up, um, and I, I think this is just their next building block. But I, I really, really like Landon's pick of Vera Tucker, too, because they, too, have to protect their investment, and they've got a little scrambling guy uh, you know, in Kyler Murray. Every time I see Kyler Murray, I, I remember a, a, a gif I saw online where it was Kyler Murray runs as if he's a, a 10-year-old stealing Halloween candy, and I can't get that out of my <laughs> head. And, you know, if you've got a guy like that, you need versatile linemen to, to block for him and protect when he scrambles out of the pocket. Vera Tucker makes a ton of sense for me here. But I think overall they're going to have to go corner and they're going to take J.C. Horn. Yeah, I think Horn would be likely the pick here. Um, he's really good. I like he, He's really aggressive. The only thing is, and I think this can be learned, he was really aggressive. He was flagged five times last year. He's going to need to reel that in because they're pretty lax in the SEC, I'm calling that. Some people wonder if that aggressiveness was kind of a, a, a part of his magic there. That seems kind of a – that's the only knock on him because I, re, I just really like him and, and people have liked him more and more as this is going on. He just looks like an NFL corner. That being said, in my board here, because of that ankle injury and just needs of the teams in front of him, Jalen Waddles here. And I think they're the kind of team that uh, we think of what they have on offense, but it wouldn't hurt them to have a home run threat. And, yes, his production wasn't huge, but every time they asked him and he was healthy enough to be on the field, he came through. For me, I think this is going to be kind of like Dallas last year where they just they just take 
something they don't necessarily need. Uh, and they just pray a, a good corner is going to be there in the next round. We've seen them do that with their needs before. I like to see these teams and kind of what they've done before and learn from that. That's what gets on my nerves about a lot of mock drafts is it's like they wouldn't do that. that that's not what that team does. These teams have an MO generally, and I think their MO would be they couldn't resist Jalen Waddle here at 16. All right, guys, we're going to break this up. Uh, we're halfway through this mock draft. It's been a lot of fun, but we're – We've got the back half of the first round coming in our next episode. And, of course, our Titans at 22. So, just really appreciate you uh, listening this time of year. I know you're just excited as we are. And we'll be back with you with the back half of the first round and more content as we lead up to the 2021 NFL Draft. Until then, boys, tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up.